What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to the Art of the Guillotine. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. In this episode, I continue with part two of my interview with Stephen Rosenblum. In the last episode, we talked about rhythm and working with directors. And in this episode, we'll pick right up there and go right into 3D editing. There's a part where the two of us talk about a scene from Journey to the Center of the Earth. And I will put a link on our website to the YouTube video of that particular scene. Now enjoy the show. Pearl Harper brings up an interesting issue, and it might have been in X-Men 2, is cutting with a lot of green screen now and effects. How does that affect you in the cutting room, and how do you make sure that story's always put first? But the green screen doesn't really hinder you in that, in that fashion, because what you're looking for is still the actor's uh, perception of, or the character's perception of what's happening. Sorry, I was thinking more like just big action sequences where we're bringing in, you know, Pearl Harbor, the... I don't know if they had real jets. I think they had them propped up. You know, is the truth of the matter is most of Pearl Harbor, we had so many editors on that. Was uh, yeah. Mostly a lot of that was Mark Goldblatt cutting action. Yeah. Michael didn't think I was particularly uh, the right person to be doing action in that picture, so I did a lot more overview. But, um, yeah, there was all sorts of everything in that. You know, mm-hmm. there, was, there was, I don't know, I, you know, they didn't have a lot of, because uh, there are not a lot of, what were those uh, World Japanese War uh, planes called? Zeros. Zeros. There, just, there were about two of them yeah. left, you know, because a lot of them just went, you know, right into the water. Again, the problem is, from my vantage point, isn't that the action isn't great. It is great. Uh, and Michael is absolutely astonishing with uh, visual effects. Way out of my league. He sees things that I wouldn't even ever see. But the characters themselves within the action sequence play a minor part in some way. And in a film like Braveheart, they're playing major parts. So it it grounds the audience in a way that I like. I'm really very character-oriented and not Mm -hmm. very action-oriented. Character is what I like. When I go to the movies, I see character-based stuff. That's what I prefer. (laughs) <laughs> smaller pictures. <laughs> I'm serious. And, and it's, these days, there's not even big pictures being made that are um, satisfying. You know, I, I, you know, after Blood Diamond, which we, which cost a lot of money and didn't do very well at the box office, it's, I haven't seen anything come down the pipe that is going to be substantial other than these G.I. Joes and that kind of stuff, which is a different kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Defiance we did for, for very little money because nobody would bankroll it. came out well, uh, but, you know, again... There were many compromises made to, to just get Defiance on, on, uh, in the can, yeah. uh, including, you know, I mean, it was only 30, $32 million, which sounds like a lot of money, but not for all the people yeah. in, in, those, in those locations. I mean, it's just very inexpensive. Where was that shot? Was it shot? Lithuania. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not in the States that they shot. No, we, and we were always worried we'd have to come back to, you know, Griffith Park and shoot pickups. <laughs> that's just not going to work, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's completely different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, feel. we we uh, we didn't actually the last couple of movies I've done with with Zwick, especially we have done really no pickups, uh, which is great because there are other movies where you just go and you go, oh man, and and of course on X Men we shot for a few weeks afterwards again, to, mm-hmm. and that's more of a movie where you might reshoot because, you know, it's a lot of green screen and there's a lot of fantasy and it, it lends itself to reshooting on stages, yeah, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, you could shoot that L.A., Toronto, That's right. London. Now, I'd like to talk about Journey to the Center of the Earth. That movie, it's almost like its it was the first film in this new sort of 3D progression that mm-hmm. everyone's going in. How do you see 3D technology affecting the editing room or changing an editor's process? 
Well, it's interesting because, you know, I, I came on that movie again. I was brought on that movie because they were having some um, major story problems. So I wasn't there from the get-go. And so when I got there, I thought, well, oh, this would be interesting, editing in 3D. Only you don't edit in 3D. Mm -hmm. You edit uh, flat. So I was told by Eric Brevik, uh, who is a, you know, uh, uh, a longtime 3D uh, ILM guy, uh, well, just edit it the way you think it should be, as tight as you think it'll be. And then when it comes time to go to 3D, we'll loosen, loosen it up a little bit where we need to because audiences can't, they can't focus on in the same way as you focus on 2D. Mm -hmm. So they have to look around. They have to. Yeah, it's, and, and I know that through the case. Is it just like headaches and... No, it's not that or? so much. It's just that this, you, know, you have so much of visual information and depth of field that it takes you longer to see stuff. He was particularly adept at getting rid of the headache problem. You know, these days, um, you know, it's shot, they have those two, yeah. uh, two lenses, essentially. And it's shot fixed, but you can move either lens in the post-production process. You, you, I you didn't would, know that. Yeah, and that's what that's what he would do. He would he he. Uh, we did a DI on that, and he did it because I was already off the picture. He would be able to move one side in or out slightly to soften focus in certain areas, so as not to encourage headaches in the audience. Yeah. And and by the way, on some level, he was the test. He was developing the technology for Jim Cameron's movie now. Yeah. Because we went over to Cameron's place to you know look at stuff and. And and, uh, and Eric was somehow the, the test guy for that movie, wow. uh, and I don't know what that'll be. Um, but what do I? Th are you really asking what do I think about 3D as a wave of the future technology? I guess what it comes down to is there's one scene that, when I was watching it, caught me off guard, and I noticed whoever I don't know who would have cut it, but uh, he throws a yo-yo towards the sun, mm -hmm. and his sun moves and it breaks a, a trophy. Mm -hmm. um, and when it's done, it's from the side, he starts the throw, and then it's cut on action, and it comes at the audience. And so I started wondering, how is this new technology going to affect how we cut? Is it going to change, like, is the third dimension going to change the way we cut on action? Is it going to almost come up with new ways of cutting to mm -hmm. try and accommodate this? You know, all this stuff relates. I think the, the overall infatuation with 3D you will begin to lose that idea of everything has to come at the audience. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a gag. Uh, we liked it, you know, because it was the first yeah. 3D live action movie, so Eric and, and we all said, well, I gotta have the gags, you yeah. know, things coming at camera. I think at a certain point that's just gonna go away. Because that's, I mean, it's not what, I don't wanna call it cheap, but it's, it's the easy gag in 3D. Mm -hmm. And I think you're specifically discussing that, or when he spits the water into the camera here yeah. at the beginning. And or, I wasn't thinking of like, like, I use that because it's an obvious example, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking of him actually doing the cut on action and how that would have been tough to cut in, in the sense that you don't, have the, you don't have the 3D. You're watching the 2D screen, then you have to put it up on 3D yeah, later. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't find that to be an issue at all. You know, cutting it on 2D seemed... Uh, you know, again, you know, normally I'm not sure you would... You'd never make that cut in 2D because there's no value in 2D mm -hmm. for a yo-yo know, to come right at you, particularly. Yeah. <laughs> But when, when I saw any of this stuff projected, you know, by changing the lens one side or the other, he can actually make that yo-yo come slightly closer or further away. Oh, okay. And all that stuff relates, you know. I wish they could, I wish, I kept saying to him, Eric, can't you make something come from behind me? That would be great. Yeah. But of course, you know, I don't know if that's ever in the future. It seems sort of ludicrously strange, but that's where my mind goes. I was watching Monsters vs. Aliens, uh -huh. and I was like, it'd be interesting to see something come through 
because a lot of the stuff would come from the side. Because that's all, that's your field of vision. Yeah. That's all you can do. But how would you do it from behind? You know, there yes. may be a technique in the future. I don't know what. It well, would I guess be. with three digital um, animation it might be possible because you could just create that element but in live it's on set right you can't have someone come through the camera right i'm trying to think you know did you if you go to the theater at all uh, well, i took my daughter when she was young to see uh too sure uh it's a musical it's, and i don't yeah. see a lot of music but the truth is they brought all the people who were going to perform on stage they all came roaring down the aisles and you know you go Oh man, that's so cool! You know, yeah. unfortunately, it was the beginning of the show, and that was the best part of the show. But <laughs> but still, the fact that they they broke your 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 plane yeah. was just great, and maybe that's what three D will do eventually. But three D, you know, a, a lot of people are betting that it's going to be it that yeah. we're all going to switch to three D. I would think not. I I think there's um, great reason to watch things in in a flat way. It has uh, it's the abstraction. Uh, tends to further a story as opposed to the 3D tends to be less abstract. Uh, I, I, well, I guess they said the same thing about color film as opposed to black and white film. You know, black and white mm -hmm. film being so abstract seems to be particularly good for story, but nobody will see black and white anymore, so I don't know. In Journey to the Center of the Earth, the characters split apart and they go their separate mm -hmm. way for a moment. Uh, what kind of complications did you have in cutting that and keeping the audience engaged? In that moment. Well, let me ask you, how did you how did you respond to that? Because that, that was one of the areas where, um, you know, that whole section of the film required the most work. I thought. Uh, when well, I, came I, on. I I thought it was good. Like I, and that's why I was wondering how you did it because usually splitting off, you have to do a lot of parallel cutting and keeping the action going, and then reconnecting them. You know, all editing to me is the same. I, I don't know how to put it. When you're talking about a sequence like that or you're talking about a big battle sequence in Braveheart, um, those are the same. It's a question of the, you got to keep the balls up in the air. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to go to scenes and leave them and go to the other scenes, parallel action, however you want to call it, at a moment where interest demands it, just because. Mm -hmm. It's rhythmic. It has to do not so much with, I couldn't stay in, in, in the sequence with the boy a lot longer if I wanted to, uh, it's just the audience wants to know what's happening. They want to feel privileged to believe they're seeing everything. Um, on, on many levels, if you take it to its extreme, a conversation between me and you, mm -hmm. as an audience member, I want to see not only the one person decide to tell the other we're, we're this is it, our friendship is over, but I also want to see the other person's reaction to that. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to miss it, but in reality, you would. In reality, mm -hmm. the reaction would come as soon as the line was said. But by virtue of editing, we can empower everyone to see anything we want. And that's the same, that's how I approach all sequences. When am I getting tired of this? And it feels like, uh, I don't want to get too abstract, but it's all about music and rhythm. Mm -hmm. uh, editing is music, so when it's time for the music to sh shift gears a little bit, you do. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I approach that. When am I getting tired of this? How can I keep momentum? How can I proceed to keep momentum going between the two characters who are now split off from each other? Now, let's forget the girl for a second. You know, Gordon and, uh, and Josh Hutcherson. And, and, and it's a question of a rhythmic appreciation of the cuts. And the cuts from sequence to sequence and from the cuts interior internal to those sequences. Mm -hmm. Does this make sense or is it? Yeah, no, okay. no, no, no. Um, and, and I don't know if I can be more specific without going into, you know, 
let me see that sequence again. Remember, yeah. what, you know, I know one of the issues I had was, you know, th this was a movie that was shot for very little money as well. And uh, when, uh, what's his name, saves uh, the kid from the dragon in that yeah. cave, well, that stuff isn't shot, it isn't, it isn't designed particularly well, it isn't shot particularly well. Who could, how do you punch through that stuff? How do you make that believable? And part of the problem and the solution is in doing it in a way that shows hectic and frantic energy and also doesn't spend too much time there. Because the more time you spend there, the more you say, oh, it looks like paper mache, what is that? It looks like, doesn't look like it's real mm -hmm. rock or even really strong, dried, desiccated sand. It just yeah. looks like it's created for an easy escape. You try to limit your, your, uh, uh, your weaknesses. You try to play to your strengths. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really what editing is, it's, it's essentially that. Well, that was part two of my interview with Stephen Rosenblum. We'd like to thank Stephen, Jenny McCormick, the American Cinema Editors, and Lauren Woodcock, my producer. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.